I don't know about you this morning, but I needed that song. There was something that just stirred within my soul as they were singing that, and I was just in the back worshiping. It is well. In this world that we are in today, it is well. It's hard to say. I don't know about you, but... um, Well, this week was supposed to be our second week in our family service where we are focusing on the Ten Commandments and together as a family, uh, worshiping and gaining uh, knowledge about God's Word for how we apply it to today. Uh, But on Friday morning when I woke up, I was not okay. The events that have transpired this whole week from, from the killing of George Floyd to the the killing of two police officers in Grand Forks. My heart has been absolutely torn to pieces. And if you know me, you know that I am not an emotional guy. I don't cry very often, and I keep things pretty pretty mellow. I might get fired up, but I don't get upset and cry. But what I've experienced this week in this this injustice that we've seen and the resulting polarization that we've seen now in the rioting the last few nights has been horrific. This is something that the enemy is behind. And so, though this is the last thing you would ever expect me to preach on and the last thing I would ever expect to preach on, today God has led me to share about the injustices that we are facing in our country, and specifically our state. I had to be obedient. I I so wanted to keep going on in our series and have fun and and just be this, the spirit of joy in this world of evil, but God just wouldn't remove this from my heart. And if if you understand, you know that you can't preach a message that you're not feeling I couldn't preach the message that I had set up and went through with my son uh, the day before on Thursday when we went through it and we got all the kinks uh, figured out and we got things straightened out. And so today, my goal is simply to do this, present a clear biblical response to this question, this question that many of us are wrestling with. How do we respond to injustice? And how do we respond to this resulting polarization that we have found ourselves in? How do we respond to this? How do we respond? And before we begin, I want to be absolutely clear that I am not qualified to be the man up here this morning to be speaking on injustices. I've never experienced either racial injustice or social injustice. Now, I grew up in a family that didn't have a whole lot, but still, we never experienced the kind of injustice that we see prevalent in today's society between either poor or colored or you name it. I've never experienced that. Friends, I don't have to worry about what will happen to my son if he goes for a bike ride across town. I don't have to worry about someday when my son gets a driver's license and he gets pulled over for something he didn't do anything wrong in. I don't have to worry about that. But my friends of color have to experience that every day. Even in rural communities where there's not much violence. 
The closest thing I've ever experienced was my best friend in junior high and senior high who happened to be partially from Asian descent. He was my best friend. And I will never forget this. This was as clear as day to me as if it happened yesterday. It was seventh grade and we were in a choir concert. And after the concert, I was asked by one of my family members, who is that chink you were standing next to? Now, some of you probably have no clue what that phrase means, but it's a slang term for those of Asian descent. At least that's what I understood it as, as a child. But that's what I first experienced for myself as, as racism. I didn't understand it, but it hurt me because I knew enough to know that that wasn't okay. Now, I'd grown up where the N-word and the, the word chink was something that was used all the time. It was a common phrase. It was more common than sometimes uh, good language. And that's not to tear apart my family or the history of my family. That's what they've been taught for generations. And here is the problem that I'm seeing today, that this continues to mount. It hasn't been swept away years ago with Martin Luther King and, and all of those racial tensions that we experienced back before my time it hasn't been swept away it's been lingering underneath for many many years and what i heard as a child was something that that i was reliving myself as i looked at people and and i've grown out of that by the grace of god and by by faith in jesus christ i don't live with that but inside there's still remnants of that inside of me that i still don't even realize it's, it's a part of our culture. And it's something that I believe is the tool of the enemy to polarize brothers and sisters of all colors. We all come from, as Mr. Drew said today so perfectly, we all come from Adam. We all bleed red. Every single one of us. And what we have seen over the course of history is wrong. Now, this hasn't been something that's been really on my radar for differing reasons because I don't get affected by it. It's not something that you see in predominantly a white culture of Thief River Falls, Minnesota. We're pretty much all white here. So I don't see it firsthand. But what I saw in the Ahmad Arbery case and now in George Floyd has made it very clear to me that there is an issue and friends we have to deal with it as the church. This is something that we cannot sweep under the rug. We can't just pretend like it's not a big deal. You see, what happened in Grand Forks with those police officers is just a result of what's been happening for many years as these people have been oppressed, have been maligned, have been treated differently than, than myself and many of you who are watching. This is something that's been underneath and it's a cultural thing that, that God has spoken to me is evil and is wrong. And you see, I understand the mindset of those officers because I lived it. And I understand what is fueling that. It is ignorance. They don't know a difference because it's what they've been taught and what they've grown up in. And so today, I'm not here to convince you that racism is real. You either believe that or you don't. I can't convince you of that. That is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. 
And thank God that the Holy Spirit is moving today. Today is the day of Pentecost. Today is the day that we celebrate as, as those who are of the Pentecostal faith, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit and empowering men and women to do powerful things of all ethnicities. Today is the day where we celebrate as the assemblies of God when, when Azusa Street happened. What happened? We had men and women of all colors coming together and doing something in the early, early years that the rest of the culture would never have done. They came together and they worshiped and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, before we get into the Bible today and we make this case out of God's word, I am just wondering if maybe the Holy Spirit isn't moving quite like he could because we have lost the roots. Now, I'm just speaking to my assemblies of God, brothers and sisters today, right here, right now. But what brought this massive move of the assemblies of God into existence and the Holy Spirit came and just flew out all over our land and moved mightily in the early years was because of there was no indifference between races, no indifference between men and women. Again, this is this is well before women had power in the church. Maybe maybe the Holy Spirit is waiting for us to settle this difference, this polarization between people of color and us, white people. Now at the end, I'm going to, to invite all of us to repent. And I'm asking right now, I understand that maybe some of you have already turned this off and maybe I can't do anything about that. But as we go through these, and if you've held on long enough to listen to this, would you just do this for me? You see, this has taken me 38 years to get to in my own life. Would you just hear me out today? Would you just, if anything, listen to what God's word says? And maybe, maybe just the Holy Spirit will start something in you like he has done in me over my years to change my heart and to break my heart for my brothers and sisters who have been just improperly treated for so long. And so I'm going to turn to Psalm 82, verses 1 through 5. And we're just going to let God's word speak to us about this topic of what do we do with injustice? What do we do with this polarization? And first of all, I just want to establish what God's word says on injustice. This is found in Psalm 82 in verse 1. It says, God presides over heaven's courts. He pronounces judgment on the judges. And he says, how long will you judges hand down unjust decisions? I'm just going to stop there. Some of you think, okay, that's the police, that's the governor, that's uh, the president. I just want to stop for just a second before we go any further and point you to Galatians 4, 7. We'll have it up on the screen. And I want to establish that if you have asked Jesus to come and be ruler of your life, you now have authority. You now are a judge. It says here, this is Paul speaking to the Galatians, you are no longer a slave. Just let that sit for a second. Nobody's a slave. 
but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You and every single person who comes to faith in Jesus has equal authority in God's kingdom. And so when God is speaking this to me, this, when he spoke this to me on Friday morning, when I was just sitting down, I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? Like, I am not a qualified man to speak on race. How am I going to stand up there and speak for my brothers and sisters who've, who've been mistreated their whole life? How do I stand up and say anything of equality and, and power when I don't understand what they've gone through? And then he says this to me, you are the judge. You are the one in authority. You have a voice. You have been placed as a person of power. Even if all I was today was some volunteer on the front row just listening to this message. You have authority. I have placed you here today. This is for you today. This is what God calls us to do. How long will you show special favors on the wicked? Here's what he proclaims for you and I today. Give fair judgment to the poor and the orphans. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. And because they are in darkness, this is, this is like blue in my face right here. The whole world is shaken to the core. Our world is shaken to the core right now. Now, maybe some of you think that this is some propaganda, this is a this is a government thing going back and forth. The reality is is racism been in our country way before any kind of political propaganda. And what these people are experiencing is real. And we cannot turn our eyes away and say it's not because it is. And so we must uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. That is our call. That is what God opened my eyes up to this week. So whether it's someone of another color, whether it's somebody of a different social status, we probably see that a little bit more in our community of Theater River Falls, we are called to care. We are called to care. Now, I'm not blaming Christians. I'm not blaming police officers. I'm not blaming anybody today for not upholding the justice. We can't do anything about what happened in the past. But we will. There's one thing we can do. And that's what we're going to do today. We can't change the past, but we can make a difference today. And here's what we're going to focus on today is how how can we step into that world now that is so divided where there's been so many injustices over the years towards those who are destitute those who are oppressed how do we step into that and try to be that gap filler what can we do how can you talk to somebody of a different social status how can you talk to somebody of a different race how can we step into these worlds and actually see change happen? 
I'm going to have you turn to Romans chapter 14. I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation today. And uh, so if you're following in a different translation, it might be a little different. I like the New Living Translation because it just has a little better flow to it when you're reading long sections. And so Romans 14 verses 1 through 19. I'll give you a second to get there. Father, as we read your word, Father, I realize that a lot of what I've shared is is very divisive in itself. It it causes some to get really on edge and maybe even angry. I pray, Father, that as we go forward and we try to, to step in, Father, I know every Christian who's listening today and even those who might not be yet but are are trying to seek, Father, I know every single one of us want what's best wants what's best for our African-Americans and our people of color. They want what's best for the police officers and the business workers and and all those people who have been affected by these, in essence, these terrorists who have come into our community, our state from outstate and tried to, to rile up people and cause harm, Father. Whatever is going on, Father, I know every single person listening today wants this to be peaceful. We want to see harmony. We want to see things go well for all people. And so, Father, I know that's the heart of everybody listening today. And so, Father, I pray as we look to your word, that your word will speak power. Not my words, your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 14, verse 1 says, Accept Christians who are weak in the faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it is right to eat anything, but another believer who has a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who think it is all right to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Differences, racial, maybe not so much, but differences. And those who eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord. So let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. The Lord's power will help them to do as they should. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think all days are alike. Each person should have his own personal conviction about this matter. Those who have a special day for worshiping the Lord and trying to honor him, those who kill all kinds of food do so to honor the Lord since they gave thanks to God before eating. And those who won't eat anything also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we are not our own masters when we live or when we die. We, when, while we live, we live to please the Lord. And when we die, we go to be with the Lord. So in life and in death, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose so that he might be Lord of those who are alive and those who have died. So why do you condemn another Christian? Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. For scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So don't condemn each other anymore. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not put an obstacle into another Christian's path. I know 
and am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, that that person, it is wrong. And if another Christian is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you'll please God. And other people will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Okay, there was a lot in that passage, and I'm definitely not going to pick out everything that we could today. But here's the first thing that just stood out to me so clear. How do we step into this world of injustice? How do we step into this world of polarization? First and foremost, Paul says it very clear. We stop trying to win the argument and listen. We listen. This was the first thing that jumped out to me. It says right here in verse 1, accept Christians who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Don't argue. Listen. And this week... I don't know, I don't understand God's ways. I really don't. But for the first time on Friday, when God just kind of like ripped in my heart and said, you need to address this, you need to speak on this. And I'm like, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? But I stepped back and I listened. And for the first time, I listened to Men of other color give their voice to what they've experienced. And I put myself into their shoes. And I thought about what they are going through and what their accounts are been. I cannot deny what they've experienced. You see, that's what got me when I'm listening to a guy who's just a few years older than me. Just a couple. And he's talking about how he can't walk out on the streets of this really well-to-do neighborhood without causing people to feel threatened. Just because he walks the roads in this, in this mansion neighborhood because he lives there. He can't go outside without somebody being with him for fear of what it does to another person. When I heard that and I put myself into that shoes, I could not imagine I could not imagine the pressure that puts on his wife every time he goes out to go to work and he comes back and she's like, oh, you made it home today. I can't think that way. It doesn't make sense. I can't. I've never experienced that. But when I listen and I stop trying to win the argument and say my way is right and your way is wrong, when I stop and listen, I can put myself into their shoes and I have empathy and I understand. And I finally understood what these men are going through that are just like me. He's way more astute than I'll ever be. Way more well-to-do than I'll ever imagine. At least financially and in this world's terms. But he has an experience that's so different than mine. But I stopped and I listened. I'm reading comments. I'm hearing what these people are saying. I'm putting myself into their shoes. And that's what we need to do. When we come to polarization and you see somebody who has a different view than you, a different side than you, stop and listen. Hear what they're really saying. Put yourself into their shoes. Try to think the way they're thinking. And then secondly, 
This was equally as powerful to me as I was reading this passage. Verse 4 says, Who are you to condemn God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. Here it is. This is just like, wow. The Lord's power will help them to do as they should. How do we stop this polarization? How do, we, how do we bridge that gap? How do we step into these injustices that have been brought upon our friends and our brothers? We pray and trust God to change hearts. We pray and trust God to change hearts. Just like I started out with and I said, I can't convince you that racism is real. God has to do that in your heart. You have to have God's spirit open you up. Pray and trust God. When you're fighting somebody else, let God do the fighting. You listen. You try to understand and let God do the work. It might take many years of you praying for that person or that group for God to really start making the changes you're looking for, but let God do it. God changed my heart. I didn't see this before Friday. I didn't. I, I saw it, but I didn't feel it. I didn't get it. But when God started coming in, I don't know who was praying for me, but I got it. I understand. And then lastly, in at least Romans, is verse 19. Where it says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. It says it. Perfectly for itself right there. Build each other up. We're not here to win a battle. We are are fighting a war that's not flesh and blood here. This is something that's deep that has been inside of our culture for, for hundreds of years. It's deep. And it's brought on by the enemy himself because he knows that this is the greatest nation ever created on earth outside of Israel when God was ruler of them. Like we have a free nation. No other nation is like ours. And the enemy knows that. And he knows the kind of good that could come out of this nation. So he's going to wrap himself up and divide. And that is exactly what we're seeing. I, I, I just cannot imagine. If the reports are true that we have these these horrible people that are part of cults in other parts of the nation like like the KKK coming in and infiltrating and starting these wars, they're fighting side by side with the people they're trying to destroy, to further destroy their neighborhoods. I can't imagine now. If, I don't know if all this is true. I don't know what's really going on in these neighborhoods, but they're saying most of the people that are being arrested are people from outside of Minneapolis and Minnesota. These are people from outside who are part of hate groups that hate black people. And they're trying to destroy their own neighborhoods and they rile them up and then they hide away in the background. Like this is a deep, deep seated thing. And what we see in this verse is we're trying to bridge the gap by bringing harmony. And I saw this. I saw this on Facebook yesterday when when I have many brothers and sisters in Minneapolis and St. Paul and the surrounding suburbs who have churches, who are pastors and who are going in and they are doing good with their church to clean up the neighborhoods and to offer food and offer water, offer assistance to clean things up. And I seen it this morning in Fargo with with a great brother, Travis Lynn, who's a pastor there. And he is taking his church right now as I speak to go clean up Fargo. 
That's the kind of harmony that we must bring. Bring peace. Bring help. Action. We must have actions. It's more than words. It's actions. We are to live and build each other up. Well, our final passage for today is going to come out of Galatians 5. We'll read verses 13 through 15 and then verses 24 and 25 after that. And Paul says to the Galatians, this is the the passage that stuck out to me first on Friday morning. I just happened to be in my devotions. This is where God started. First thing I got up in the morning, I had my coffee and I started reading my devotions for the morning. And our devotion for that day came out of Galatians 5. And I read verse 13 and actually shared it with my leadership team because it just, it, it hit me so hard. And it says, for you, dear friends, have been called to live in freedom. That's us. We are free, but not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then I went on and I read verse 15. I was like, here it is right in my face again. What happens But if we don't do this? What happens if we keep pointing fingers at the other side and criticizing them and, and maligning them? But instead of showing love among yourselves, you are always biting and devouring one another. Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. We are destroying one another. And whether we are Christians or we are just brothers and sisters of being humans the human thing to do is to build one another up to love out of serving love out of serving not maligning so that other side that that that's getting you angry whether it's the cops or whether it's the black people whatever side you fall on you can't you you, you can't be in the middle you're going to have to pick a side and say i'm going to choose to love you i'm going to choose to love you I'm not going to float this middle road anymore and just say, I'm just going to stay in the middle where it's safe. I'm not going to address that side or that side. I'm going to stay in the middle. You can't do that. You have to pick a side and love. And maybe you have to love both sides. And that's your middle. That's okay. (laughs) Because that's where I'm at. That's where I've been this whole time. This whole time, my whole life, I'm like, I am free in Jesus. And I am not going to be a criticizer of police i'm not gonna be a criticizer of black people or the people of color i'm not gonna criticize i'm just gonna be straight and narrow just be a good guy and not address these issues but what we've seen happen to police what we've had seen happen to people of color is not right it is wrong but it stems once again it stems out of years of treating the people of color wrong that's where it stems from I'm not saying it's okay to treat police wrong. That is not okay either. But this all stems at the beginning from the mistreatment of these people who are our brothers and sisters. We are to love and serve. For some, we're going to have to love and serve the the men in blue. For some, we're going to have to serve the people of color. We have to care. We have to serve out of love. I love how Martin Luther King put it, and I'm sure some of you probably seen this quote, but he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. You are the light of the world. 
When you have Jesus and you have the light of the world, so go shine a light in this darkness and bring light. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love by serving. Our final section today is from Galatians 5, 24 and 25. And I just love how this ends these thoughts really well. And of course, there's a lot of good stuff in between those, uh, those sections of, of Galatians 5. But for time's sake, we're going to focus on the ending. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, we stop trying to win the argument and listen. We pray and trust God to change hearts. We live in harmony by building one another up. We love by serving, and in this passage, we deny our preferences. Especially for us white people. We have privilege. And we have been mistreating people of color for a long time. We must deny our preferences and serve and care and truly see the needs and step in. I'm not saying everybody who's listening today is is in the same position that I am. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself. Maybe this is a confessional time. But I don't think that's the case. I grew up in a culture surrounded by a lot of people who are just like me. I think I'm speaking to more than just myself. We have to deny our preferences just like Jesus did for all people. For the elderly for those who are being mistreated in maybe your neighborhood, maybe the poor, maybe the orphan, maybe the widow. This goes across. We deny our preferences to care for others. And again, this is, this is not something we just preach. This is not something that I just preach. This is something that we actually do. That's the hard part. But I love how Paul ends this on because for me, I'm like, this is, this is, I can preach it. <laughs> you know, God got me to the part where I could preach it, but can I live it? Because that's the hard part. How do I live this, this stepping into these polarized worlds and offer hope and offer life, light like I've been asked to do from Jesus himself? How do I do that? How do I step into that? Paul says, we are living now by the Holy Spirit. This is verse 25. Let us follow the Holy Spirit's living in every part of our life. We need to press in and rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to press in and rely on the Holy Spirit. So how do we respond to injustices and the resulting polarization that we've seen in our world? Stop trying to win the argument. We listen. We trust that the Holy Spirit will change hearts and we pray into that like crazy. We live in harmony, build each other up. We love out of serving, caring for one another. We deny our preferences. And we rely on the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Now, if you're like me, you feel very powerless to make a difference. 
As I got done writing this message yesterday, again, we had a whole different message all planned out, and so I spent Friday and Saturday kind of trying to put these thoughts and these scriptures that God had put on my heart. I, I tried to put them on paper so that I wouldn't be all over the place in a mess because Lord knows I'd be all over the place and probably crying by now if I, if I didn't have some direction, some clarity. But as I was done, I'm like, what do I do? These are all important. We have to address these injustices that has been towards our brothers and sisters of color. But what do I do? Here's the bottom line today. This is what I really have been led towards. And you can apply it to your situation where you're at, because it might be a little different for you. But I believe that we must be an advocate for our brothers and sisters. We must be a voice. If anything, if that's where we start, we must be an advocate. What is an advocate? It's one who speaks up for those who are in situations that are in rough areas. We be an advocate for them. We be a voice. We fight for them. That's where it begins. What does that look like? It's different for every person, right? Because who, who God puts on my heart might not be the same person that God puts on your heart. Because we can't change this all. <laughs> we can't go down to Minneapolis right now and fix everything. This is hundreds of years that have brought us to this point. But we can start with the one in our life that we can fight for, that we can be a voice for, that we can be a voice of truth and love too. And so today, that's where it begins. But I think even a step behind that is a place where I had to start. As I shared, as I began today, I've been made really aware of my own residing racism in my spirit. And it's not so much that I looked down upon them or thought little of them. I mean, we hired an African-American brother to pastor our church in Crookston. Like, I don't, I don't have racism inside of me, but I do. Why? Because I don't do anything about it. I haven't spoken up. I haven't fought for my brother who serves alongside of me. I haven't said what's happened to him in his life is wrong. I haven't even asked him. <laughs> I haven't even listened. I haven't done step one. And so where does it begin? Begins by repentance. I, as a man of God, as a white man, need to repent. Repent of my inaction, if you want to call it that. Sitting on the sidelines and just letting life go by and letting them get trampled over and turning the eyes and saying like nothing's happening. We need to repent. And I believe as the white church is concerned, the white church, which is the one I pastor, we need to repent. If we believe that God's going to move on our country, in our churches, we need to settle this. This is a underlying thing that the enemy has thrown at the feet of the church, and we haven't addressed it. Not like we should, anyway. And so today, 
Second Chronicles 7.14 says exactly what we need to do. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, I've been humbled. And I pray that God humbles you as well if you're listening. We'll humble ourselves, pray and seek my face. We're going to seek his face. This week, I'm just dedicating myself to, God, what do you want? How, how can I speak up? How can I do my part to do something? I'm going to seek his face. Because the last part says, and turn from their wicked ways. I wouldn't say that my life has been wicked for the neutrality, if you want to call it that. It's not wicked. But it's kind of the sin of omission. It's not doing something. I've been inactive. I haven't done anything. I haven't even listened to see what I could do for the first part. Because we all talk about how God will hear from heaven and forgive the sin and heal our land. Well, first we need to turn from our wicked ways and repent. And so as the the worship team comes up, I I don't know what that looks like for you. I really don't. This is a, a heavy call, but I believe that it is one that needs to be done. And I don't know what to do after I repent other than seek his face and ask God, what can I do? Ask my brothers and sisters of, of other color, what can I do to be your advocate? Because I'm not going to go and do anything without God's leading and without understanding. And so I'm going to humble myself right here, right now, and I'm going to ask God to help me uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. And I pray as this song goes on, we have a good section of, of singing here. Uh, I just pray that God will work in your heart like he has mine. And so, Father, I pray as we close this service, and I'm sure I have many people who have differing thoughts on, on what has been spoken, and, and maybe some people are angry, maybe some people are convicted, maybe some people are indifferent, and they shut it off a long time ago. Um, whatever it is, Father, I stand before you personally, and I ask for forgiveness. I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you forgive my church for any history of not speaking up for the rights of those who are destitute or oppressed. I ask for forgiveness for that. I ask forgiveness for the times that I've walked by an African-American and I've felt uncomfortable or I thought of giving them a ride but thought differently because I had a kid with. I ask for forgiveness for that. It's wrong. It's evil. It is not what you would have me do. And I am sorry. And I'm sorry to my brothers and sisters who have thought that about. They didn't know it. But you do. And it's wrong. It is wrong. And I want our church to be a place where we reach out to all people who are destitute and oppressed and welcome them as if they're our own. We are all in this together. And so I thank you for your forgiveness. And I pray that as we go through this week and we see the continued atrocities that are happening 
in the face of what, what occurred last week on Memorial Day to George Floyd. I pray that you will be speaking to our hearts, that as we seek your face to heal our land, that we will do our part, that we will not stand on the sidelines anymore and we will be an advocate for those who are oppressed and destitute. Pray you continue to work on everybody's heart that has listened. I trust that you will change hearts in your time. In Jesus' name, amen.